Place to be Nation Wrestling. Welcome to episode number 45 of NWA Crock and Roll. I am your host, Sean Kidd, and we have finally, after months and months and months of waiting, we have finally made it to May of 1986. So we are going to talk about some things that happened from May 3rd through May 17th today on this podcast. But before I jump right into it, I would like to uh, welcome my co-host. And first, I would like to welcome back after a month off. Uh, and by the way, we have everybody here tonight for the first time, I think, in like six months. So Colin McDougall, welcome. We missed you last month. Good evening. I um, I felt like I was there um, when I was when I was editing the pod. Um some very choice opinions. Um, <laughs> not all correct. I mean, everyone's everyone's entitled to their opinion. Doesn't mean they're always right. Um, one in particular sticks out. Um, but I think I, I may or may not bring it up at some point, or if it's brought up, then I might I might have to say some choice words about it. But it's good to be back. Yeah, it's definitely good to have you. And I might bring that up before we start with our actual episode tonight, because I want to get your opinion on that hot take. So I'll get to that in a minute. And it's probably one hot take from this gentleman, Scott Shiflett. How are you? I'm doing great. Glad to be here. Um, ready to talk about uh, May of uh, of '86. I, um, you know, we got, you know, we got the four of us back together quicker than Oli's still gone from the Horsemen. So I feel pretty good that us four were able to get together before Oli came back. Well, in all fairness, in all fairness, the timeline is a little different in this pod versus that. So. But um, all right. And last but not least, uh, Dr. G, how are you doing tonight? I'm doing great. And, you know, that's funny, uh, Scott, that you say that about um, uh, Oli, because I don't remember him, you know, like not being around this long when I was younger. You know, when the whole thing happened, it seemed like, um, you know, it was a shorter period of time. But I, again, maybe because we're going through these watches in a different way, maybe it just seems longer than it really is. But uh, I'm looking forward to getting into May. I think things are starting to uh, to heat up, and as we head into the summertime, which I'm sure we'll be speaking about, and um, you know, I'm looking forward to breaking down. I'm so glad everybody's back. Yeah, me too. And uh, so, in our timeline right now, he has been gone exactly four months. Okay, so it's longer than I thought, though. Yeah, yeah. And by the time he comes back, it'll be five. So he comes back in June, which we'll get to hmm. in 2030 or something like that. So, <laughs> uh, but. But anyway, uh, yeah, it's good to have everybody back. And before we jump in, uh, Colm, you actually missed our last episode where we kind of – or the last two episodes. So we, we finished up April, and we set off a chain of events that kind of transitions into what we're going to talk about here tonight. But first and foremost, we did our last episode. We kind of did that kind of similar to what we did a, uh, a couple of years ago where, you know, the great Peacock thing went off, and then we started watching matches of the past, and we started a new series to bridge these uh, – monthly watches where we went back and watched matches from certain years that Crockett wrestlers were in. So we watched 1985 uh, before our timeline actually started. And by the way, guys, I don't know if you know this or not. We are officially two years as a pod and we've made it through exactly one year of Crockett in two years. So I thought I'd probably mention that because this probably, I think this starts our second year tonight. So um, pretty cool thing to celebrate. But Colm, uh, I got to ask you, so Scott Shiflett, gave Magnum TA versus Wahoo McDaniel for the U.S. title in the cage match uh, that took place exactly one week before our pod line, our pod timeline started. He gave that match four stars. Would you like to comment on that real quick? I mean, I was staggered when I heard that. I mean, I was, I was like, it's not often I'm speechless, but that's just, that's outrageous. 
<laughs> I mean, I don't care. I don't care how good a mood you're in. I don't care what you've been smoking. There is no <laughs> earthly reason to give a match involving Wahoo, Mad- Wahoo McDaniel. I can't even say his name. I'm that I'm that speechless. Uh, I, I, I rating that high. You uh, are just blinded by your hate. You just got to let go of it. And I was blown away by it. Yeah, I'm a, I still... I'm a very open-minded. I'm a very open-minded person. I gave a match that has two and a half stars once. That's about as high as I'm going to get, and that was because of Harley Race. Um, so I'm not. I, I, I don't see hate. I'm not a hateful person. Although Wahoo McDaniel does push me quite close. Imagine giving Harley Race two and a half stars because of Wahoo being in the match. It's probably like no, a three or four star match. I see it. No, it's not. I see it more that I see it more that I gave a Wahoo McDaniel match two and a half stars because of Harley Race. I, I choose to, I choose to live my life glass half full, Sean. I got it, and you know what, Column, I agree with you on this one. I think I went two. I don't remember what I was two and two and a half. I think and like you, you were shockingly high as well at two and a half. I, I didn't think it was a bad match. I think you know for for what it was in a cage and getting the title off of Yahoo, uh, Yahoo, getting him off Wahoo so he could go away for a little while. I think that's a win. That was alright. It was alright. Yeah. All right. Scott, you're wrong. I'm sorry, buddy, but I agree with Colin. You're wrong. But it's okay. You like what you like. Yeah, thank you. I mean, you guys are wrong, but it's fine. All right, well, <laughs> we'll agree to disagree, and we're going to jump right into this. We're already starting off salty tonight. So we are going to May 3rd, 1986, and this is part one of our May watch. We actually have four parts of May. Um, it gradually gets better. As we get into June, we go down to two parts, and believe it or not, guys, July, I only have one episode for July because... There's not a lot of promos coming up because July is hot bash month, so we got a lot of matches. So um, I think we'll actually make it through the bash before we get to the end of the year, which will be great. So um, again, so we'll start off with the Roll Call of Champions. Your World Champions, Ric Flair. U.S. Champions, Magnum T.A. Your Tag Team Champions are Midnight Express. Your Six-Man Champions are still the Russians. Your Mid-Atlantic Champion is the Missing in Action, Black Bart. Uh, your National Champion is Tully Blanchard. Your Junior Heavyweight Champion, also Missing in Action, Mr. Denny Brown. And your TV champion is Arn Anderson. So with that, are we ready to jump into May 3rd, 1986? Yes. All right. First up, we got a couple of matches. Um, and this first one is a TV title match. Um, we haven't really talked about Arn too much. or I don't think we've seen a real, like, proper TV match with him in a while. But it's Arn Anderson. And he's taking on a good hand, a Don Kernodal, which as Dr. G would call him. And you know what's interesting about this, guys? This 5-386 match is exactly one year to the day of that Tully Blanchard-Don Cronodal match for the TV title that shocked the shit out of us. Do you guys remember that column in Dr. G? I do. Yep. Yes. So one year to the day. So we have Don Cronodal here taking on another horseman. So um, Don, I thought, did some nice early arm work on Arn. He had a really nice, um, awesome back suplex. Arn then worked over Don's arm for a little bit. Um, I also like the arm bar where Arn had it locked in at the same time. He had his knee like buried into Don's head. Uh, later, Don got his sleeper, and Arn barely made it to the rope. Don hits a nice vertical suplex. So Arn, Arn got an opening, pulling Don by the trunks through the ribs to the floor. Don kept trying to get in, but Arn blocked him several times. And then Don got, Don got back in, and he hit a neckbreaker. Um, and then he uh, does a thing that he does thir- uh, throat first to the top rope. The credits start rolling. We get a small package for two, and he went off the air with 10 seconds left. So my assumption was this went to a draw. Um, I thought it was a solid syndicated show title defense by Arn against, uh, like I said, uh, good hand Kernodal. Um Again, we already talked about the timing of this one being one year exactly to the date of the Tully match we talked about. Um, you know, this match wasn't nearly as good as that Tully match. It, I mean, it wasn't terrible. 
Um, I thought it was solid for a syndicated show title defense. I actually went two and a quarter on this. Dr. G, I'll go to you first. What'd you well, think? Oh, we're starting to sync already. That's exactly what I did. I did two and a quarter. Um, not as exciting as that match, uh, definitely. But again, two guys that can go at it. And, you know, anytime you get to watch Arn. Um, I hate I hate it on television when they did that when they ended the uh, the show without like knowing what happened. Um, they used to drive me crazy. They used to do that in uh, championship wrestling from Florida a lot too when they had like a big main event. Um, so that was kind of a little disappointing. But um, nothing nothing um, nothing awful about the match. Just you know just a standard good TV match. You know you were excited to see a match like that on television rather than just the squash match. And, um, you know, I just love when Arn defended the title like that. Like, they always made his defenses mean something and always, no matter who he wrestled, always, uh, you know, gave you that that illusion that possibly he could lose the match. Um, but he always pulled it out in the end. Um, that's one thing I noticed they, they always did with Arn Anderson. He always did a great job with it. So two and a quarter. All right. Yeah, and you're right. And it gets worse as we get into, like, the next – well, we still got a few years left on this podcast, but they, this is a real big, bad habit they have of going off the air. And like this one, you could kind of assume what happened because it only had 10 seconds left. But then you get into matches that are like 20 minutes in and, you know, that's got another 10 and they go off the air and then they don't follow up the next week and even tell you who the hell won. So that'll get annoying as we go on in this show um, in our future years. But it's kind of a good tagline. But you think they would hook you to come back to see what happened the following week. And they never really, you know, embellished on that, unfortunately. Colin, what did you think of this match? Um, I thought it was I thought it was. Uh, the same as you guys. I thought it was um, very, very solid. Good, solid TV match. Um, my first note was about the, the, the Tilly match. I didn't know it was a year to the day, um, but my first note was about the Tilly match, and I, I did like that they, the commentators kept they kept bringing it up as well. How he almost won the TV title against mm-hmm. Tully, um that, that time last year, and it was a bit. It, the match itself was a bit like the Tilly match. It was like, Carodo had a lot of the match, and um, Arn was just was was uh, bumping around for him, mm-hmm. uh, which I thought was again it was it was on par with with um, the uh, the the, the tally match. The crowd went absolutely nuclear for a for a sleeper hold. So uh, there you go. If you've got it on your bingo cards at home, mentioning the whole <laughs> Mid Atlantic crowd, um, and I, I, I liked the way that Arm just sold it that he it wasn't he didn't get to the rope. He didn't struggle to the rope. He just sort of flopped onto the rope. He was pa- he was in the point. He was in the sort of he was passing out possibly. He just sort of just fell into the ropes with a chop. Was he's not just grabbing the rope for effect. It is like I would have lost this match if the rope wasn't there. Um, I didn't mind so much the TV TV time limit, um, but. Again, if it's if it's going to happen a lot, uh, and and I watch a lot back to back, um, I could you could be getting a hot take just like the Ric Flair promos. If you watch a lot of them back to back at the same time, mm-hmm. um, it might get old quick. But I gave this two stars. I thought it was I thought it was perfectly acceptable. All right, we're so far we're kind of on par two two and a quarter. And um, Scott, bring us home on this match. What do you think? Here comes I- your five stars. <laughs> Well, if it had Drew, it would be a dud. But that's oh, neither here nor there. Yeah, all right. You know we, you know where you can get to. You know <laughs> yeah. where you can get to. Right behave, behave, behave yourself, Shift. Like, this is the quote serious podcast. Be, you know, I'm sorry. All right. I'm sorry. Um, I I enjoyed uh, Cronodo actually working the arm with 
it was unexpected. And then uh, Arn was working it just, and he was just retching the arm, which I really liked. Um, and I loved with when time was running down, Arn just throws Don out out of the ring, which is great because he's just gonna milk the clock. Um, I, like you guys said, I wasn't a fan of the show going off the air, but I I've read and heard that the reason why they did that is like if you want to see what happens, you got to come to the shows live, which mm-hmm. this is when they were still a house show business and not like a TV show business model, which yeah. we actually see now with AEW, and WWE to extent. I know they still do some house shows, but that was more like if you want to see who wins, you got to like you know. Come to Greensboro this Saturday and, you know. And, wa- and watch the actual time limit draw on the double DQ instead yeah. of watching it on TV, right? <laughs> yeah, I mean, but it's with it's with the whole um, – I have I know you guys saw the Cronodal match uh, with Tully, like mm-hmm. you specified about, but I've been pretty impressed just about every time we've seen him because there's been other matches where we've seen him. Yeah, Cronodal to me is a lot like Sam Houston. If I watch a match with him, I know I'm going to have a decent to pretty good match, and I, that's, why, that's why I do like him a lot, actually. So, yeah, and um, I actually went uh, two and a quarter as well in this. So, okay. like, we're all locked up there. I did have three stars, but knocked it down. I'm kidding. I had two and a quarter the whole time. But no, I, it's a really good match and a nice kickoff for for this uh, week's shows. All right. This. So, that's, oh, are you going to say something? Someone else going to say something? No, 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 that was right. me. Sorry. All right. So, let's move on to the next match, which I'm hoping we all agree on too, because um, this one is like a Sean, like, paradise match for him because it's for the national title it is from worldwide wrestling the same week um as the last uh match that was on mid-atlantic that same exact weekend and it is ronnie garvin versus tully blanchard and it's one of those episodes that takes up the whole episode it's a lot like that rock and roll express uh Koloff's match that we watched uh a, a while ago where the whole show was just about that match and rock and roll express actually won the title so really big time feel you know they have that opening that's focused on the national title and this feud has been building over time which again to put this on syndicated tv is amazing um you know flair's there he sells the match backstage with johnny weaver and he talks smack about ricky morton that's why he does it the dusty comes out and david says that he's going to join him and tony on commentary um they recap and they discuss the midnight express baby doll happenings from last week of april and then we finally get to the match and intros at about the 13 minute mark and oh joy tommy young is your ref so i wonder how this one's gonna go um I'm not going to go line by line on this match. I just want to hit a few bullet points. Um, I thought the intensity for both was absolutely amazing. Um, Garvin was always um, just as always stiff and crisp in the ring, dominating Tully early at every turn with his headbutts and his stomps. But I also thought Tully in return looked really great with some of his, uh, some of his forearms and heel work. The crowd was absolutely molten hot for this. Uh, there was a spot where Garvin actually leaped over the second rope and jumped over Tully and backslide pin attempt, which I thought was really good. Um, I also thought Garvin throughout the match actually did a really good job of selling his hand injury. Um, as we get out, as we go on through the match, um, we get to a point where Ron reverses a pile driver um, and punches Tully in the head, and he sits on him. Um, and then as and as match continued to go on, both men were exhausted after basically giving their all. At one point, Tully got JJ shoe as JJ's distracted. Um, idiot Tommy Young. Uh, is distracted with JJ, and uh, basically uh, Garvin gets hit with the shoe. Garvin um, then accidentally throws Tully into Tommy, who shockingly goes down, then knocks Tully down with a headbutt. Dusty gets up for commentary and wraps Garvin's hand with tape as JJ puts quarters in Tully's hand. Both men get up. Garvin slugs Tully first. There's a cover and a three count. Crowd goes in commentary. David Crockett was absolutely bonkers. 
Um, Garvin is given the belt, but JJ points out to take Tan, and the decision is reversed. As David just screams at the top of the lungs, he had the quarters. Tully is still the champ. Fuck Tommy Young. Crockett is fucking livid. And I love JJ trying to pick up the quarters as, the, as that everything went out. Uh, guys, I loved every minute of this match. The ending, as much as it pissed me off, I thought was well done, at least from a Dusty-type finish. I really liked the combo of the tape and the quarters. I thought that was really well done. Great storytelling. And actually, for me, it was a damn near perfect match that was on free syndicated TV. I went four stars, uh, maybe more, but I absolutely love this match. Colin, what would you think of this? Um, I will just right off the bat say that you are 100% completely right about this one. Um, I have gone four stars on it as well. Um, the uh, My first note is this should be a banger. It delivered. Um, 100% delivered. Um, very, very intense start, which I, which I did like. Um, and uh, Crockett was, David Crockett was stroking out almost immediately. Um, the stroke out at the end was possibly oh it was it was it's the goat it's so far it's the goat this is this is better than she likes it she likes it this he had is, the, he had the quarters <laughs> he, had the he quarters. was he was going insane this is the this is the best I, if, if, I, if I, this is going to take a lot to top um this stroke out moment right. i absolutely loved the absolutely loved the um the through story throughout the whole match was Garvin obviously can't tape up the hand, but he's using it very, very sporadically. But he's using the, the rest of his body as a weapon. Um, like it's it's all headbutts, it's grinding down, it's superb. And then the selling of the hand when he does have to, when he does use it and he only uses it when he has to use it was 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 um was great. I, I love the finish. Um, the visual of the quarters flying out of Tully's hand was 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 excellent. The pop was again unreal. It was just wonderful. And to get that, to think you got that on free television, even now when you get big matches, or matches between named people every week, it's, you're not you don't ever get anything as as high quality as this. This was superb. Yeah, back in the day, we you didn't get matches like this. You kind of always got the like. Not on syndicated TV. I mean, again, how long? It was July of 85 when we got that whole mat, that whole episode for the tag team titles. Um, and so it's been a while. So when you get a big match like this in this era of TV and you all you see mostly preliminary matches or good hand matches, something like this just is crazy, crazy good. Uh, mm-hmm. Scott, what did you think of this one? As as you guys were saying, like it, it was a great match. I will say I I did like uh, Tully's selling of the knee, and um, how Garvin just continued to work it. Also, Sean, you didn't mention on this we actually got a Circuit City ad oh, here. Yeah, I kind of skipped the ad. Sorry. Um, which popped me as like just seeing an old school Circuit City ad, which uh is basically for those who don't know, Circuit City was like Best Buy, and they went out of business in the mid two thousands, but um. But as you said, Garvin's pin where he sits on him is just so disrespectful. Like, I, I kind of like that. Um, I love the use of the shoe. And then Tully working the hand because Garvin couldn't have it taped. So he lost, like, you know, his, you know, his his special move, essentially. So he, he lost that. Um, I, I was really digging the match. I bit on um, the new champ. And then I have in my notes here, and I messaged you guys, fucking dusty finish. Like, they had a hot moment there, but, like, 
and this is I think this might like we've seen some dusty finishes, but I I know like they're called dusty finishes for a reason, and we're gonna probably start seeing a whole lot more of Lee's as time goes on. And this is just frustration because it just cuts Garvin out at his knees with with this like nonsense, and it makes Dusty look like a fool as well because they both knew it was illegal, and there they are the supposed baby faces are stooping to the heels level and it, it just it doesn't work on a casual fan watching thing it doesn't work as a quote-unquote smart fans watching and i had this match at like four and a half four and three quarters but because of the ending and how much it pissed me off it pissed me off so much that i stopped watching doing my watch for the day i i, I mm. came back the next day that's how much it pissed me off this match from may of 1986 and here we are when i watched was in uh june 2022 and it pissed me off so much. I, I went four stars, but it's like a begrudging four stars because everything was great, but that last thirty seconds just killed the match. Yeah, like see, if that, I, like if that happened now, Sean, like the group chat that we have, Twitter would just be in an uproar if that happened. I get, I get it, but for from a creative standpoint, the simultaneous taped hands, the quarters, and David Crockett stroke out, and then JJ trying to collect the, I, I can. I don't know. It's a shit take. I'm totally forgiven this one because I thought it was pretty fucking creative and probably the most creative one we'll see. That's just me. Uh, Dr. G, what did you think of this match? Well, I'm, I'm going to go. I'll tell you what my rating is four stars. Uh, I think we're all agreement oh. on that. Now, um, I, you know, Scott, I agree with you. And, and the thing is, I guess maybe because <laughs> we're so conditioned, Sean, you and I from watching <laughs> these dusty finishes, maybe we're just kind of used to it. Um, I could see where you could get upset by it, but uh, the David Crockett stroke out moment. I mean, I think we already know what our winner of that award is. So I don't. I don't even think we need to even go through that because that's pretty much going to be the winner. But um, that was awesome. Uh, the thing is, I thought with that finish, yeah. I mean, it just pisses you off because you're like, come on, you know, he couldn't have his hand taped, and of course they saw it. And just like you, because I couldn't re- I couldn't remember myself from that time. I'm like, oh, I thought he won the belt. And then uh, you know, he just kind of disappointed. Um, but I will tell you this. The crowd freaking off. They are just going crazy for this match. I mean, a lot of these matches we're going to talk about tonight. Uh, the crowd is just so into it. And it really it really. um between that and the announcing really uh, helps you enjoy it. I, I know that Crockett gets a lot of criticism. I, I kind of, I don't know, maybe I'm just a guilty pleasure. I kind of enjoy him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I don't, I don't, I think people just take things too seriously sometimes, you know? Not everybody's going to be Jim Ross or Gordon Soley or whoever they like, you know? Sometimes you need that, that wacky announcer. You know, that's what people loved about Jerry Lawler. I mean, in a different aspect. So I, I I think that that just really helped me get into the match. I'm so glad this was a match that was on television where we did have the announcing because I think I don't know if I would have enjoyed it as much because I no. thought I thought no. that added it told the story and with him stroking out and yes Scott I agree with you the the dusty finish does get kind of disappointing and like I said maybe because Sean and I are kind of used to this <laughs> so it, it probably just we're just kind of numb to it at this point. But I do I agree with you, Sean, in the fact that they did do a pretty good job. Um, 
the way they handled it. And again, I think it's because of the announcing. I think if think about if you had if it was one of those house shows that you would get the matches from and we just saw it like that, we probably would be very disappointing and, and mm-hmm. it wouldn't have filled in the picture. And that's that's why announcing is so important to wrestling. I don't think people realize that. I mean, obviously, when you go live, you don't get announcing, but uh, that's a different feel because you have the, the, the buzz of the crowd and there's, there's just a different aspect to it. But um, I just wanted to make a point of as I thought that the announcing definitely helped make this match. Um, probably because of the ending, I agree. I probably would have won four and a half stars. But but other than that, I th- I really enjoyed the match. Yeah, and, and, and I and I knocked it down because of the ending too. That's why I went four. But I mean, this could have easily been to your Scott's point. If it had like a clean finish, could have easily been a four and a half. Probably maybe one of the best matches we've ever watched in the history of this show, honestly. But go ahead, Scott. And, and like Dr. G, like I, if there would have just been like Tully t- hits him with the um, fistful of quarters, I would have liked that better because then it would have been like, well, you know, we would have been thinking Garvin would have had him if he wouldn't have cheated. But if they both cheated, it negates it. And it's just a crappy like flip flop. Hey, hey, Chef, when we go to. Um, when we go to Nashville, can I hit you with a fistful of quarters when we go to the Flair show? I mean, I mean I think- <laughs> we were doing chair shots last time, so <laughs> sure. Right. So I'm going to I'm going to add fistful of quarters to the docket for that trip. <laughs> <laughs> All right. But no, really, really good match. Great stuff. Go out of your way. If you've never seen this match, go out of your way. It's on YouTube. Um, I don't know, man. This is up there. It's easily in the top two or three matches we've watched on this show uh, in the last two years. So amazing match. All right, so we are now going to jump to the Saturday night show uh, this same weekend uh, for May 3rd. And we are going to kick it off right off the bat with Jim Crockett, who comes out with Tony. Uh, There's no David Crockett tonight, so maybe he's convalescing from the big stroke out he had on that last match. Uh, Crockett announces that TA and Dusty have challenged the Midnight Express for the tag team titles on TV. But Cornette has refused to sign the contract. Uh, Second up, they announced a rock and roll super sizzler tour to coincide with Ricky's new single and hopefully his new album. And to me, it basically sounds like uh, Rock and Roll Express are going on a ring rap marathon. So anybody have any comments on the Rock and S- the Super Sizzler tour or anything? Anything on that before we move on? I, 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 I need to hear if, if it was actually Morton singing. Um, but like you said, it, it definitely sounds like they're just going to be picking up rats. Yep, yep. Uh, Kyle, I'm Dr. G. Anything you'd like to add to the Super Sizzler tour? <laughs> um, I agree with that's it. <laughs> All right. Yeah, I, mean, I want to hear. Um, unfortunately, the album didn't come out, but I, 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 apparently uh, Ricky Morton's Boogie Woogie Dance Hall did come out, and I really want to hear that song. I'm so disappointed. I wish that uh, like, if they were a year earlier, they could have played Live Aid. Mm. And that really disappoints me that they couldn't play Live Aid. Um, I mean, could you imagine? We couldn't get the Beatles. Bob Geldof up. We couldn't get the Beatles, but we're going to get. Could you imagine the Rock and, the rock and Roll Express. Express at Live Aid? Like, where do you even go? I can think about that. Somewhere in between Phil Collins and David Bowie, I imagine would probably be a good one. Maybe just after Queen. Um, you know, Queen could be the warm up to 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 the Rock and Roll Express. Um, and obviously they would have needed to have to have redone. We done. We are the world to, to shoehorn oh, Ricky Morton. Ricky Morton, take Bruce Springsteen out, put Ricky Morton in right into that. Spot. I mean, there must be somebody that you could take out. <laughs> awesome. Hey, by the way, uh, because you said you have to see Ricky Morton sing, I I want you to go on to uh, I want you to run a search for Ricky Morton's song on your uh, Google or whatever you got, 
And Ricky Wharton in concert, an eight-minute video of him in concert comes right up for you. So, Colin, yes. feel free to check that out whenever you would like. Yes. <laughs> but I'm, I'm, looking, I'm looking at the people that were on We Are The World just now. There's too many Jacksons on here, first of all. Get one of them out. <laughs> um, we, don't need, we don't need the news. Huey Lewis is fine. Get the news out of there. Uh, Lindsay Buckingham, he's British. Get him about, out there. How about Oates? Rick- o- Oates doesn't. It could be Holland Morton. They don't need the Oates. Oates can go away. <laughs> I mean, I don't understand. I don't understand half why you need half these people. Like Michael Jackson is fine. Jackie Latoya, Marlon, Randy, Tito, get out. Right, no idea. We don't need all three of the point the pointer sisters. One of them would do. Who needs Dan Aykroyd in the video? Why is Dan Aykroyd on that song? <laughs> all right, we gotta stop. I'll go down a whole rabbit hole. Uh, thank you for that moment, though, Colin. Now I'm going to be thinking about Ricky Morton singing We Are the World. So, <laughs> all right, moving on. So um, after that, uh, so basically the rest of this show, um, it really is just highlighting the baby doll, Jim Cornette, and the Midnight Express stuff from last episode. So next thing we have, um, I'm going to do these next two promos uh, before we go into the match that we'll talk about. So baby doll comes out with Tony. She's dressed very unbaby doll like in a white dress. Thanks, everyone, for the flowers. Says her townhouse is full. Talks about her history with Tully and doing bad things and how Dusty saved her. He's a knight in shining armor after everything uh, she did to him. Basically, she... <laughs> excuse me, Dr. G, I apologize. Cover yours. Basically, what she does here is give Dusty a verbal BJ. That's really what she does. Uh, she wants to spend her life being someone people can look up to. She wants to be good. She thanks Dusty and then tells Cornette she didn't think she'd walk again. And he's hurt her and Dusty. Says her boys will get Cornette. Uh, followed up by a cornet promo where he comes out. Tony says, you are vetoing the contracts now, uh, referring back to the beginning of our show where uh, basically Crockett came out and said that he would not, Cornette would not allow Dusty and Magnum to get a title shot. Cornette says he saw baby doll out here. Her tale of sorrow and woe will, <laughs> will bring, him to, bring a tear to a glass eye. Says he's upset her injury kept her from running to the Kentucky Derby. <laughs> he brings up Crockett coming out. Um, at start about a contract versus um, America's team, uh, Cornette says they are big. They are big team and beer joints, but they haven't beat no one or proven they should be in the ring with the tag team champions. Cornette brings up all the jobber teams have been not expressed tune up with, like the Mulkies. Today they have the Janes boys, and he tells America's team to go beat someone. Maybe then they could get a title shot. Right now you're not worthy. And then he goes into the intro for Bobby and Dennis. So before we get to the match with the Janes boys. Uh, Scott Shiflet, what did you think of the Baby Doll promo and Jim Cornette? And if I recall in the chat, Shiflet, you actually brought up that you found Baby Doll somewhat—I uh, well, won't say what you, exactly you said—but somewhat beautiful, to be politically <laughs> correct. Yeah, she looked attractive for the first time. I think it was that uh, that that white dress she was wearing. But um, yeah, like you said, it was a verbal BJ to Dusty, saying like how he's a knight in shining armor and saying how like a real champion are loners and like he was a loner. And she she wants to be good and like you know says her boys will get Cornette. I liked because it seemed like they were maybe going back to the Tully feud, but I like how she turned that into like the Cornette feud. Which to be honest, this was a surprising feud. Like you guys may know this, um, my my uh, NWA JCP WCW stuff doesn't really start kicking into the night to 1990, but mm-hmm. um, it was nice to see like she she was actually a pretty good promo there. Like you know. Tony mm-hmm. let her a little bit, but like, you know, saying she's going to get Cornette. And then Cornette's just amazing. Uh, <laughs> the Kentucky Derby line, like, I was laughing. I had to pause it and I was like, oh my God, like, talk about stuff you couldn't get away with now. 
And I love how, like, this is actually elevating the Midnight Express. I know uh, tag team wrestling is big, was big in JCP um, and NWA. So, like, you know, this, like, it doesn't feel like, you know, WWE or WWF where, like, you have the tag team, the tag, like, the New Age Outlaws going against, like, Rock and Sock Connection. It felt like where it felt like Rock and Mick Foley were, like, you know, slumming it in the tag team scene with, you know, the new age outlaws with this, it feels like a legit thing. Like you don't know which, which side's going to win. If it's going to be, you know, um, dusty and TA or the midnight express, cause it can go either way. Like I, I like how that it shows they're on the even playing field. Yeah. You know, in the midnight express, I mean, I think we talked about it. I hadn't really done much up until this point. And they've been champions since February. Um, so yeah, this has definitely put them in the limelight too. So it was really good to see that kicked off and, yeah, the Kentucky Derby line probably wouldn't hold up. And I'm with you. I thought Baby Doll from a – I guess what they were trying to do is get the people to relate to her and what happened. And you could tell she was a little bit nervous in that promo. But I think overall she did a pretty good job. Dr. G, what did you think of these two promos? I, I thought she did a pretty good job considering the amount of time they gave her. It was a couple of minutes, I believe, um, You know, which could be like an eternity when you're doing something like that. So, yeah, she seemed a little nervous at, at once at first, but – once she got comfortable, then she started really getting into it. Yeah, you're right. She was basically, um, you know, putting over Dusty uh, throughout the whole. I, I, I like I like that you put it much better than we did. Thank you for that. <laughs> reel, reel that sucker back in. Thank you. <laughs> <laughs> but no, she um, she did. A, a, now you started to see a little bit more of of her rather than you know usually. Um, you know, Dusty or somebody's always near her, and so she'd only get like a few words in. So she was able to really um, show her, you know, kind of let her show off her mic skills a little bit, which again, were a little shaky at first. But I think again, when she, uh, once she started getting comfortable and she knew what she wanted to say, she was, she did a pretty good job. Um, Cornette, I mean, what could you say about Cornette? He's just, it's amazing. He's just, he, that guy is so hyper. I don't know what the heck he was drinking, how much coffee he drinks a day or whatever it is, because he was just always on fire, always on point. And the Kentucky Derby one, I agree. I was hysterical laughing. I'm like, oh, it wouldn't go over too well today. But, um, but you know, I just when I watch these things, I take it in the context of the times that it was in. So, um, no, I mean, it's just the way he sets everything up, the way he sells the Midnight Express again. Midnight Express was a good tag team. You know, Bobby Eaton could go with anybody. But if they didn't have Jim Cornette, the Midnight Express never would be what they were. Mm -hmm. I agree. I agree. Callum, what did you think of this? Did you miss the whole uh, last episode where we went through this whole ordeal with Baby Doll and the Midnight Express? So feel free to embellish as you want in this. Um, Well, I one of the first things I've got you, you say that Doctor G brought the brought the brought the tone back up, brought a bit of decorum to the proceedings. I'm going to take it right back into the gutter. <laughs> um, baby doll, how I ended up. Everyone wanted to know how I ended up with Dusty. How did I end up with Dusty? Um, Cause he didn't want you to be fucking Sam Houston anymore. <laughs> oh, Jesus Allegedly, allegedly. Um, the baby doll part didn't seem to be going anywhere, but she did. It did turn out to be towards the end. It did turn out to be a half decent promo. Uh, the Kentucky Derby line was fucking brutal. I mean, that is so. You know what I love so about hard. it the most, Callum, is the fact that she. Can't, this is probably the most like dolled up, beautiful baby doll we've seen. He just comes out and calls her a horse. 
I know. I mean, you've got on one hand, you've got you've got Shift saying that she's mildly fuckable, and then you've got Cornette <laughs> calling her fucking sea biscuit. Um, <laughs> so again, one of the one of the um, one of the things that I, I, I've liked about Cornette is he tells the truth. Uh, America's team haven't teamed much recently. They didn't really team much more. They didn't really team a, a lot to begin with. So why should they be top? Why should they be top contenders for for the World Tag Team Championships? He's making a very good point there. Um, the the whole the, the whole bit where Tony is. I don't know how Tony Shivani kept a kept a straight face. Honestly, he's just playing along with the joke. It was just it was it was excellent. Um, I thought the the commentary. I mean, it made it made the the, the um. The, the whole the whole thing mm-hmm. just perfect they play off each other so so well um mm-hmm. tony is the tony is the the consummate consummate professional um so i thought that the whole that the cornet was just was just fantastic okay so let's talk about the match so midnight express versus the james boy we, i mean so if you watch this in its timeline it's like oh i gonna take on the james boy it's gonna be like the mulkies or whatever uh so the midnight express cornet they're waiting in the ring for the james boys Midnight Rider starts playing and immediately, you know, shit's about to hit the fan because you know what that typically means. So he starts playing. The crowd went nuts. As it's very apparent, it's Dusty and TA and black masks and cowboy hats and jeans and black trench coats. Cornette freaks out like unbelievable, just does an amazing job here and says, don't ring that bell. Uh, his stroking out is on par with David Crockett. It's phenomenal. There's a big bra on the floor. Uh, Dusty James high fives Tony. He's beating up Bobby, which I thought was hilarious. Cornette is, Cornette is screaming, you have to be an idiot not to know who they are, and screams for Jim Crockett to come out. Tony's just poking the bear, is awesome as well with Cornette. Connery getting beat up by T.A. James, and he's yelling to Cornette as he is, you know who this is? James boys take turns in and out, beating up the Express. The Express finally gets some offense on T.A. Cornette yells at Tony, I don't care if my mom likes you, I hate you. All four end up in the ring, and the James boys hit double belly to bellies for the three. The crowd goes absolutely bonkers. Baby Dog comes out. Goes to Cornette with a bull rope, and he and the Express run to the back. Um, well, I thought this is a really great angle. I thought it was a fun match. Totally unexpected because I didn't see this going the route it did. But I guess the piggy's back on Cornette, refusing to sign a match with these guys. Um, and it just keeps the angle going now with, like, a really cool added twist. Um, and again, I'm going to go through all this, and I'll ask your thoughts about the match and the promos. After the match, the James, the James boys have an interview uh, Dusty is obviously who it is, says they have been trying to come here for a long time. He says this charade ain't going to last too much longer. Um, so, yeah, so Dusty kind of doing a wink there. Cornette then comes out later, asks if every, everything, if everyone thinks he's um, an idiot or a fool. Um, he keeps asking for Jim Crockett to come out and reverse the match right now, says he's not leaving until Crockett comes out. After numerous segments and much griping about the situation, Cortinue continues his rant about how he could buy this place and he's a very important man. He wants America's team suspended, and he wants some oxygen. Tells Tony you can slap him over the whole situation. Crockett comes out, and Cornette yells, where have you been? And Crockett says he's been getting a manicure. Do you mind? Which popped me, too. Cornette vents some more. Crockett says he saw the James Boris beat the Midnight Express here on TV. You got a problem with that? It's your problem. And then he walks off as Cornette flips out. And to wrap this segment up, Dusty and TA come out later with Tony. says it was great to see Baby Dawn Cornette is irate at you, too. Uh, I'm sorry, uh, Tony says it was great to see Baby Doll and Cornette as irate with two of you. Dusty says he's not interested in Cornette and the Midnight Express, and he just got here. He then talks Baby Doll up, says she's three times the lady, says the Midnight Express will learn what it's like to face America's team. 
TA says revenge is sweet and also calls out Nikita. Dusky asks Tony, um, he goes, uh, Tony, Tony asked, he, he asked Tony, the James boy from wherever they came from and pinned him in I Express. Tony says, yes, they did. And Dusty says, that's awesome and walks out. So the match and then the promos after. What did you think of that? Colm, I'll go to you. Um, I thought, my first thought was when the uh, James boys, James gang, whatever they're called, the Jameses, um, came out. I thought, my first initial thought was, these guys have a fucking incredible look. The, 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 the trench oh, coats and the masks and ass. the hat. Oh it. my yeah, God. It, it looks, looks absolutely superb. Then the penny dropped and I thought, that's fucking Magnum and Tully. Ed Magnum and um, Dusty and like that is that is brilliant, but it didn't. Uh, the, the look just took me, um, took me right in. It was it was excellent. Um, I've I've got the uh, I've I've don't get many notes on the match, but I've got I've got um, I've put put two and a half stars anyway because I thought the whole thing I thought the whole package was was super, was, was well executed. It was great. Um, Cornet after is just he's he's blown a gasket. He's he's like he's he's on top form. Um, and I made a note uh, that he's um, again seemingly obsessed with um, people's ages on this podcast. Jim Cornet at this point is twenty four years of age. Insane, absolutely insane. I, I, I don't even know what I was doing at twenty four. Shut to think what I was doing at twenty four. But that is uh, how he's how he is so good at that at this point is is unbelievable. And he is he's just on the top of his he's on the top of his game. Um, America's team promo there wasn't. Uh, there, I've got there wasn't much to it, but it, it it really paled in comparison compared to what what we saw from from Cornette. Um, and, and all the and all the promos before that. So, yeah, outstanding from everybody involved. All right. So you went to an app. I actually went um, with the match and the promos and all in the encompassing of the story. I went three stars, but I think you're right. The match itself, not much to take notes on, but it was just more of an angle. But the whole thing in general, I just went three stars in it. Uh, Dr. G, are you back? Yeah, I'm here. Sorry right. about that. Yep. Go ahead. Uh, so uh, I went uh, two and three quarter stars on it. And uh, I like the whole package. Uh, you know, I don't, Sean, I don't remember this. I don't remember this storyline. I really don't. I'm um, usually pretty good about memorizing stuff from that time period. I do not remember this with the James gang and all that. I, I really don't. So it was actually kind of neat to see it because to me it was like seeing it for the first time. Uh, you know, Dusty did a lot of that stuff, obviously, the, you know, the Midnight Rider stuff. So I just, you know, um, but this one, the Midnight Rider, he was actually trying to hide the fact that he was dusty here. It was kind of like, you know, wink, wink. Yeah, we know what's going on. Um, and Cornette was just phenomenal. I mean, he made this whole angle because he just lost it. And wow, I putting in perspective that he was 24 years old. I knew he was young, but I didn't realize he was that young. So um, just amazing, amazing work by Cornette. Amazing um Amazing what he did for, the, again, like I said, what he did for that team. And the fact that Dusty and, um, you know, T.A. Uh, doing their thing uh, when they came out for their interview, um, they kind of, you know, they kind of doing, having a little fun with it. But but Cornette would, just blew them away in terms of, of the way he was on the, on the stick for this. So, um, yeah, I mean, I, I thought it was a really well done angle not not like uh, the the best thing we've seen in terms of an angle but i thought they did they executed it pretty well and just just seeing cornet's reaction was worth it 
Yeah, and I, you know it's funny is they have a lot of angles going on. You got Morton and Flair. You got um, the Koloff, the Koloffs and the Road Warriors. You got Koloff versus TA and Tolly. And what it's great is all the angles are different. They all have something different about them that make them really interesting on different levels. And I love that. That's what's really cool about this, right? Definitely. Um, yeah, and I'm and I'm with Column. The freaking trench coats, cowboy hat, banger. I'm Scott Shiflet. I might be going into Nashville with that look when I hit you with a roll of quarters. So what did you think of this? <laughs> oh, oh my God. I, I, I love this. This was amazing. Like I thought the James gang was like a bunch of jobbers because I was thinking of, um, the TNA James gang that they had a couple years later. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I, I loved it. The double belly to belly was sweet. Um, the James gang actually winning. I thought we were going to get a DQ just from, from what we've already seen this month. Um, the angle, I love baby doll chasing him out. And, um, and you know, I have here Dusty James saying he wanted to come to NWA for a while. It's so many, like, like you said, wink, wink, nudge, nudge. Mm-hmm. Then Cornette, like, tearing up the mat sheet, says all the idiots knew it was TA and Dusty. So, he, like, he calls out Crockett to reverse the decision. And then he tells Tony he can buy and sell Tony 47 and a half times. I don't know why the half's there, but I laughed so hard at that. Um I just love how like Crockett then asked Cornette if he has a problem and like court like Crockett's like, I don't see what the big deal is. And um, Crockett getting a goddamn manicure. Like what? That was yeah. phenomenal. Yeah. Yeah. And it was like, Oh my God, what like the, it's just great. And I, um, I, I just loved it. Like I went, I went three stars, just, but I just counted like the, the angle of like the TA and then being the James King and like with the match, because the match really wasn't much. It was just I, I just went three stars like with all that. But like this is just like a perfect like it felt like a bottle episode of an angle. You know, what I'm saying like how you get bottle episodes in TV shows. This is what it felt like. And I hope we see more of it. Yeah. I mean, if you think about it, all this happened on Saturday night. All we talked about was Crockett. We talked about Baby Doll, Cornette. I mean, that's all we really talked about. So really, this is one of those examples of. Man, how great was this? Like, just played this angle out through the entire episode, and they just amazing, amazing work there. So, yeah, definitely this Midnight Express, uh, America's Team, James Gang, whatever you want to call it, feud is definitely heating up, and there's a lot more to come in this as we get into the future. So, all right, so that ends Saturday night. So now we are still on May 3rd. We are actually going to a Greensboro house show, one of those great house show matches that Dr. G doesn't like when there's no commentary, but we're going to talk about it. It's Ric Flair defending the World Heavyweight title against Ricky Morton. Uh, the crowd, as always, is absolutely out of their mind for Morton. Uh, Flair does the face rub into the mat by Morton, um, which got them going pretty early. Uh, Flair, I thought, hit some sick-looking chops on Morton that I thought really looked intense due to Morton's size, and Morton just sold him like murder. Flair straight up just playing the bully as Morton just fires back at him with punches. Um, there is a long rest head spot that Flair tried to escape on an atomic drop to the knee that Morton shook off. Flair's going to rub Morton's uh, injured face across the ropes, but Morton just pummels Flair with rapid-fire punches to avoid it. Morton pretty much dominates the first 20 minutes of this match for the most part, and then Flair finally gets some control, and he finally succeeds at raking Morton's injured face across the ropes continuously, and then he rubs Morton's face into the post. Um, I thought this was smart heel work by Flair, focusing on the face. Later in the match, Flair hit-tosses Morton clear across the ring, but Morton rebounds with a clothesline out of the corner. Uh, Morton takes control, gets a quick small package for a very close three. Flair's ass is showing as Morton tries to pull him down for a sunset flip. Tommy Young actually pulls Flair's <laughs> pulls the trunks up for him um, as his ass wasn't the only thing about the show because it was really to the point where 
it was almost down to the knees, and you're about to see something else, which was pretty crazy. Uh, Morton does a top row drop kick for two, got the whole crowd standing up. Morton goes for a roll up on a suplex reversal for another two. Morton hits a corner hurricanrana for another two. His bell rings for the draw. This was awesome and quite the gem to find. Um, it's clipped um, and cut in so many spots were choppy, but I thought it was great stuff between these two. And Dr. G, this would be one of those prime examples of if they had commentary to go with this match, uh, easily probably over four stars. But in that, I went three and a half stars on this. So Dr. G, what did you think? I did too. I went three and a half as well. Uh, yeah, you're right. If we, um, uh, the announcement, listen, it's great that you're able to find this stuff. So it's, it's uh, please don't take it as a critique. No, I get it a hundred percent though. Cause it could take three and a half star match up to four because of the, the energy behind the commentary. It makes sense. Exactly. But um, you know, for what it was, it was uh, in terms of the, you know, video and audio quality. I, I, I enjoyed it. These guys really had some chemistry I'll tell you, and and you you hear interviews with uh, Rick Morton today. Um, they 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 would have given him a shot at the title. It maybe it would have been a short reign, um, but I think they would have given. And he didn't. You know, he was uh, very loyal to his partner. Um, and he say he said no. You know, and and Flair Flair would have done it no problem. Flair loves Ricky Morton. Mm-hmm. I mean, um, one of his most favorite opponents. Um, you know, he says even till this day. So. Um, you know, I, I just love the way Ricky Morton sells. I mean, he is, he is great at that. I mean, he really saw those chops were, whoo, I'll tell you, Ricky Morton was definitely feeling it the next day. I'll tell you that. Um, but, uh, the, the crowd energy is just phenomenal. That's, that's my big, I put that in big, bold letters in my notes. Crowd is hot. They are. I mean, yep. they were just off the roof. So, again, you add some announcing to that, that could have been a four-star match, easy, maybe four and a half stars. Um, so, it, um, again, I think three and a half stars is, is nice from, you know, a, a good good rating. I mean, to me, anything three and above, you're, you're really, you know, you're in good, you know, you're in good territory right there. So, yeah. uh, I love watching these two guys go at it. They, I, I forget how good, good, uh, Good of matches these two had um, different different kind of chemistry than he and Ricky Steamboat, but um, I feel even though I think Ricky Steamboat match some of the matches might have been a little better, I like the energy better with Ricky Morton and um, and Ric Flair because I think Ricky Morton it's just because of the Rock and Roll Express at that time was probably more over. Yeah, I'll reserve my comment on Ricky Steamboat, the doll pain in the ass that he is. Um, he's a good wrestler, but to your point. I prefer watching a Morton Flair match because of the energy around Morton and the crowd. You don't ever see a crowd get hot for Steamboat like that ever. So, no, I mean, I think opinion. people love Ricky Steamboat. Don't get me wrong, but not that. I mean, the Rock and Roll Express there for a couple of years, they were they were one of the hottest tickets in wrestling. So, um, and I think at this time, this is one of the times where they were one of the hottest tickets in wrestling. So, uh, like I, I like I said, I think if Ricky Morton had said yes, I think he might have been a champion. It might have been a short run, but I think he would he would have been world champion. That's possible. Absolutely possible. Scott, what did you think of this? I'm going to be the high man, obviously, for this. It's all good. It's all good. I I love this match. I loved like, you know, Morton's a house of fire. He's rubbing Flair's face in the in the mat, like as revenge for him rubbing it on the floor. I loved how we still saw like the quote unquote, the scarring from from Ricky Morton. Um I, I do say that Tommy Young is the worst. I just want to get that out of the way. Um, God, yes, he's so bad. 
the crowd is losing their mind. Like they're living and dying on everything that Morton does. Like, and Flair is just selling like a million bucks for him. Um, like, uh, I, I was shocked at how much Morton was in control. And I was shocked that we actually got a draw out of this. Um, and like they were wanting to, and Morton actually hits a missile drop kick in this match, which I thought was amazing. And I thought that's where, like, you know, if we were going to um, get a title change, it was going to be there. Morton also hit a Frankensteiner during this match. Like he did. Yep. Which I thought was amazing because I had always like, you know, I I guess this shows how good WCW was with that, that Scott Steiner brought it to America. I didn't realize that Ricky Morton was breaking one out in 1986. I went four and a half right here. Yeah. And you know what? And that's fine. I don't, I don't actually dispute that because Again, if with the commentary, it would have been so much better. But yeah, this match was awesome, just just great from start to finish. And you're it just the energy around Morton, Flair, and I love that Flair because we've seen a lot of Flair be very redundant. It's kind of like Colin brought up a few episodes ago about his interviews. We've kind of seen Flair be redundant in kind of his match quality and what he does in matches. And I feel like with Morton, he just like really changed it up a little bit. I thought he was absolutely vicious in this just raking across the ropes and he's just like, it's a sick, vicious Ric Flair, which he kind of ups his ante in that. Normally that's what you see the Andersons do. And I felt like Ric Flair here could have actually been an Anderson because he was just a dick. Colin, what'd you think of this? Hopefully you liked it as much as we did. You're also very easily impressed. Yeah, that is true. Um, no, I, 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 I've, before I go on to my nose, I think you've, I think you've hit the nail on the head there, Sean. It's, Flair seems like refreshed because he's got something new to work with. Yes. Um, and as great as, as he is and as great as everyone, a, a lot of the guys that he's worked with are, everyone's got their own shtick. So it's very difficult, I imagine, to keep refreshing it night after night and to the point where you it must feel like you're just going through the motions um, a, a lot of the time if you've worked with the same guy over and over and over again. Because as much as the matches haven't been bad, we did see, it seemed like we watched Flair and Garvin face off against each other at house shows for four months, and it must there must be a bit of come down for them at, at some point. Um, but I thought this match was I thought this match was really good. Um, the I, I, I liked where Morton was Morton's selling of the shin drop um, after he or whilst he still had the headlock on. I thought was I thought was really good. Very again, I'm very easily impressed. Um, it was just a nice wee a nice wee touch there. Um, I will. Uh, oh no, I, I can't read that. Sorry, I can't read my own handwriting there. Um, the first part of the match is is, is making was was really good at making you think that Morton could win the match. Um, uh, my uh, again, referee gripe. I'm I'm with Chef on this one. Um, it was a low blow. Uh, Flair hit Morton with a low blow, and the ref was looking right at him. Now that is, I, I don't care if you're if you're pissed off with Rick Flair. That is a disqualification right there, man. Then sir. Um, Referee's discretion or not, that is blatant cheating. Um, the match wasn't as, as quick as I thought it would be. I thought with, with Ricky Morton, and I thought it would be slightly faster paced, and I think we were spoiled by the, the sprint that they had on um, Saturday night, uh, the, 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 the couple of weeks before this. Uh, but there was a time where the crowd bit on it, and I almost bit on, on a small package um, that... that, that Morton had on, um, even though I should 30 odd years in the God, almost 40 years in the future Shit, I can't be right Yeah, almost 40 years in the future um, No, 
didn't happen. Um, I really liked the missile drop kick, uh, but you knew that the crowd were, were were getting right into it because as soon as he hit that, the whole crowd stood up uh, around the, the guy who was who had his videotape on. You couldn't actually see the referee count. Um, I, I did really enjoy the match. It took a wee bit longer to build up than I thought it was going to. I thought it was going to be slightly uh, more of a sprint than it actually was, but that didn't. That didn't mean it was it was a bad match in any stretch of the imagination. I went three and a half on it. All right. So, yeah, so we're all around that same. Scott, you were the high one. But, again, this is one of those matches where I won't give you shit for that. What I, I don't understand how you could even look at Wahoo versus TA in the realm of a match like this. Compare, like, I don't, I don't know. You were on something last episode. I don't know what you were doing. But, yeah, really, really good match. So that actually closes out Crockett uh, for May 3rd. So, a lot of stuff that happened on May 3rd. A lot of stuff. So uh, before we go, you're, as always, we're going to do our Territory Spotlight uh, segment here. Um, so I went big digging in the vaults, and we are going to World Class Championship Wrestling. Uh, it is a match for the World Class Championship title. Um, it is from the May 4th Parade of Champions. It is Bruiser Brody versus Rick Rude. So I think the only time we've seen Rick Rude... Have we seen Rick Rude on this show yet? I'm trying to remember. We saw, him a couple of, we saw him a couple of times in Florida. Oh, that's right. So we have seen him, but never like rude proper. It was just kind of a one-off situation. We'll see him again. Yeah, it was very yeah. Um, it was very watered down. It was like baby ravishing Rick Rude. Not quite ravishing yet, Rick Rude. Yes, and I think it was, uh, in fact, I think it was Billy Jack and Wahoo versus him and uh, the future Jimmy Jack Funk on an episode of Saturday Night. Wasn't that the match we watched? There was that, and then I think he did have a match. He had a singles match with Billy Jack Haynes. Remember we did Battle of the Belts? That is correct. That is correct. I'm sure he, did, I'm sure he was in one of them. All right. So um, so it, basically it's our first look at Rude in 86. Uh, but again, we will see him much later this year because he will become a full-time fixture. But we'll talk about that when we get to that. The stipulation, if Rude gets DQ'd, he loses the belt. Uh, World Class had withdrew the NWA member- membership at this point on February 18th, 1986. The America's heavyweight title was immediately declared the world title. And Rick Rude was officially, I don't know if you guys knew that, Rick Rude was officially the first world-class championship wrestling wrestler to be the world champion. And he is managed by Percy Priggle. So pretty big deal here with Rick Rude that you probably don't hear much about. Um, it was weird seeing Rude in just straight white long tights. Um, it was pretty generic. So I'm not used to not seeing all the freaking things painted on his tights. They keep reiterating, they keep reiterating the DQ step. Um, which probably tells you what's going to end up because probably in, in my mind, I'm thinking Rude won't lose, so Brody probably will. Uh, Brody hit Rude with a body slam and a few boots to face, um, and Percy was quite vocal in his worry. Uh, Rude hit a hip toss, which looked impressive based on Brody's size, I thought. Uh, Rude with a boring headlock spot outside. Brody slams Rude to the wood floor. Uh, Rude throws Brody into the ring post. Brody no-sells Rude's punches and hits an impressive drop kick and suplex into a power slam for two. Bruiser hits a leg lock, uh, leg drop to the back of Rude's head for another two. Rude then blocks a suplex and hits one of his own. Again, based on the height and size dynamic, I thought that was pretty uh, impressive by Rude for hitting that. Rude covers as Brody puts leg on the ropes, but Percy pushes it off. Brody kicks out at two anyway and then goes outside to chase after Percy. Percy runs into the ring and um, Rude and Brody brawl as the ref tries to pull them apart. Brody throws Rude over the top rope and then imagine that we get a DQ. Rude and Percy leave the ring. But Brody chases him and kicks Percy in the ass, knocking him over, which I thought was funny. And Rude and Brody fight into the crowd as the grappler comes out, too, to help. And Rude escapes. Um, You know, not much to this. I kind of expected more. Um, I thought there was some good-looking stuff based on the side differences, but the ending was shit. And Brody seemed to be kind of going through the motions a little bit versus what I know he can actually do. 
Um, so I was a little disappointed. I went to Gentleman's 2 on this. Colin, what did you think? Um, I went a Gentleman's 2 on it as well, purely for the um, for the nameplate, Rick Rude, World Heavyweight Champion. <laughs> there you go. Um, something about that just just seemed right. I know it was a, I know it was only a pretend World Championship. Um, at, at this point, World Class wasn't wasn't what it used to be in in 1986. But Rick Rick Rude, World Heavyweight Champion, it warmed warmed my heart on that. Um, Rude did look just looks amazing normally. Um, I'm very comfortable in saying that that Rick Rude is a very handsome man. Um, I am a sucker for a good nickname, as you know. Soviet Union's ambassador of destruction, love that. Um, the announcer, don't know, can't remember who it was now, but he called Rick Rude the man of a the man of a million muscles. I thought it's absolutely fantastic. Um, not many notes on the match, as you can tell. Not not. I mean, it was, it there's was not fine. much. There's not much to it. No, no, there's not. There's not much to the match. It was, um, yeah. I mean, it's fine. It was. It was watchable. It wasn't. It wasn't an abomination as as we have seen. Um, so yeah, gentlemen's too was inoffensive. Yeah, you know, I will say though, if I were going to this stadium show and this was my world title main event, I'd probably leave a little pissed off. But again, because I didn't and I watched it on TV forty years after the fact, I'm fine. Doctor G, what do you think of this? I don't know. Um, I I I'm not. I knew I knew you were I knew you weren't gonna like it. I knew the minute I saw it. I I went one and three quarters. I first of all, Rude was still a little. I want to say green, but he wasn't. Um, he became better obviously when he was in the WWE, which or WWF at, at the time. Um, Bruiser Brody. I, I mean, yes, I've seen some pretty good matches with him i don't they didn't get the allure of him i I'm, i know i'm gonna take a lot of that and because of the way he passed away and that's a shame and everything doctor i would tell you i would tell you if you didn't hate those matches so much go watch some of his japan matches with stan hansen you'd probably change your theory you'd probably change your opinion but i know you don't like japan so <laughs> yeah yeah i mean i've seen some of his matches from japan but i you know the thing is about him it's like he was just one of those guys and that's he was that that attraction but if he was not into it which he just he seemed like he was totally going through the emotions with this i don't know i just i don't know i just thought it was crappy i i do remember rick rude becoming the first world champion there um because but it's awkward right he doesn't should take column i apologize he doesn't feel like a world champion to me here no he doesn't and the belt is still the america's belt so they didn't even change the belt um, it was kind of like an abrupt, I guess, change from, you know, when they, uh, left the NWA. Uh, I don't know. I just, there's not much to say about this match. I mean, I, maybe I'm just being even nice, even given the, the rating I'm giving it. I just, I'm just not a big, there's certain guys that people get so into and Bruiser Brody's one of them that I just, I never really totally cared for him. I don't know. He just doesn't do anything for me. Like seeing a Bruiser, Bruiser Brody match does not get me excited. So that's just that's how I feel with that. But, um, you know, Rick Rude, obviously, I think if this was a few, you know, maybe, you know, maybe 1988 or 89 might have been a better match. Uh, he, You know, but right here, just nothing much to write home about. Um, maybe I'm being too critical, but that's just how I feel uh, when it comes to Bruiser Brody. Oh, wait. Oh, my God. So, column, just throw into the group chat. This match got three and a half stars from Dave from Meltzer, Doctor G. Well, go figure. That's Dave Meltzer because <laughs> he went. He, he, 
what what realm what realm of anywhere was this a three and a half star match? I didn't I didn't know I didn't know Chef wrote for the Observer back in the day. You know what? Oh. I'm sorry guys, that guy is a piece of crap. He really <laughs> I don't know what everybody thinks so they're so high and mighty on him. I used to remember my friend of mine got the newsletter. I used to leave, read it. All nothing but run-on sentences. Um, it, some of the stuff it just sounds like he just made up. Um, you know, which we could do right about. I don't know. It just that was that is three and a half stars for that. I mean, come on, he must be taking something. Doctor Doctor G cut a promo on Meltzer with no, you know, but I'm sorry. <laughs> I really am. I know. I know you guys don't really probably care for Pritchard and uh, well, I know Conrad likes him, but that ghost right here um and some of the the wrestlers that can't stand him cornet and all them but they're totally they're totally right about him he's just he's just he's nothing but a fraud and he he sucks all wrestling fans in with his bs that's just my opinion <laughs> amazing thank you now you want me to cut a promo that ain't a good thing because i, I no no i'm good no I, I was fine i wish you would cut promos on trevor burdock like that on the saturday special but you don't so <laughs> All right, uh, Scott, what did you think of this? If it's three and a half, I'm going to lose my shit. <laughs> Hell no, this match sucked. Yes. Um, like, I will say that Bruiser Brody does have a presence about him. Um, and, like, you know, there's a time where, it, like, we had a nice drop kick from Brody because the man of that height is pretty interesting. And also he had a nasty leg drop to Rude's to Rude shoulder. I guess that it looks like he's not as graceful. It like adds to like the barbaricism. And I will say that uh, no one told me that Percy Pringle was doing his best Bobby the Brain cosplay because that's what he looked yes. like out there. Yes, he was. Um, and I wasn't really like blown away by Rude to be completely honest. I know that's that'll be coming uh, later with his Dangerous Alliance run and feud with Sting. That's where oh, you know. Oh, that's no. what I. Oh, no, Scott, do you not know what we have from Rude coming up in 86? Do you not know? I know he was in a tag team and left uh, him and Manny Fernandez. Uh, well, I look, I look forward to that. I look forward yes. to that. Yes. And then we got the crappy bruiser throwing Rude over the top rope for the DQ. Um, just a crap match. Like I, like I said, a star in three quarters. And I thought I was being gracious <laughs> with that when Callum gives two stars just because the chroma. I gave it two stars, too, because it's kind of like what you said about Bruiser. Some of the stuff he did was good. And I thought Rude actually bustling some of the moves he did and suplexes and stuff like that were impressive because Brody just totally out outsized them. So it definitely showed off Rude's strength. But I get the hatred. I don't disagree with anything anybody really said on this pod tonight, unlike the last show where you gave freaking Wahoo TA four stars. But Yeah, that match was a banger. All right. Anyway. That, match, that match was better than any TA Nikita match we've seen. Hmm. Uh, no, you're wrong. But anyway, uh, Sean, I think we get, Sean yeah. get ready to hand over the count because I think yeah. Chef is really making a play for the King of the Shadows. Uh, he he really really is. And by the way, it's interesting. It's with the same fucking wrestler that I got it for. So that's pretty funny. Anyway, <laughs> all right. So that ends tonight's episode. So kind of kind of a quick breezy watch here to talk about some good shit. So it continues pretty much uh, the end of April into uh, this is all one day though. It's crazy uh, how much they pack into just one weekend of wrestling. All right, so we'll go to the awards. Uh, we'll probably knock these out pretty quick. The David Crockett Award, do we all agree with David Crockett's strokeout moment, or do you think Jim Cornette's strokeout moment during the James Gang beats it? Colin, what do you think? Oh, no. Ah. Ah, ah. I think, I mean, I'm going to stick with my loyalty to, to, to David Crockett because that was an all-timer. I think I think Cornette could, could maybe overtake the one he had, but 
I don't think David Crockett is ever going to beat the stroke out he had at the end of that match. I, I agree. I got Cornette in a later award. Uh, Dr. G, I assume it's uh, Crockett? Yes. All right. Schiff, Crockett? Yeah. All right. Aaron Anderson Award for the best promo. I'm going with Cornette and the Kentucky Derby. Uh, Dr. G? Same. <laughs> Column? Yeah, same. All right, Scott? Yeah, I mean, uh, Cornette was untouchable tonight. All right. Uh, the Dusty Rhodes Broken Leg Award, the best angle this month, uh, or continuing angle. I mean, for me, I mean, one, I'll give the best match to, but for me, it's going to continue to be the Midnight Express versus America's team. Dr. G? I agree. I agree. It's, it's, yep. that, that was a great pro- uh you know, great. I don't know. They, I, I like the way they executed everything with that uh, that feud. Yep. Uh, column. I assume the same. Um, I was going to. I was going to say um, the Midnight Express against the James Boys because I didn't see America's team a lot this this week. Okay. Sorry about that. Midnight Express versus James Boys. Okay. Okay. <laughs> Colin, Colin keeping kayfabe. Uh, and Scott, what do? You, what, what about you? Uh, we're forgetting Baby Doll as well because this actually started last episode. So this whole thing with them attacking Baby Doll. Yeah. So I'm yeah. including all of that. Okay. Um, it is the best angle or continuing angle, so it's definitely this. Uh, Jimmy Avant Award for the worst match. Uh, for me, it was definitely uh, the world class match. Column. Um. Look back, my yeah, probably. Kind of a custody look back here. Yes, it was. Yes. All right, Doctor G. Well, you know how I feel. That's uh, that's an easy one. <laughs> All right, Schiff. Yeah, uh, Brody versus Rude was terrible. Okay, and let's see. Uh, the Magna match for best match, I think, hands down. Nothing will compare to Garvin versus Tully, and I assume that's across the board. Um, I'm going with Flair versus Morton. Really? That's a shit take. I gave four and a half stars to Flair versus Morton. Yeah, it's a shit take. Uh, Column. I'll, 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 def- I'll defend shit take shift on that one. It's not a bad match. I mean, it is. I think it is a very, very good match. I don't blame him for picking it. Albeit, I have picked Gavin and Tully. All right, Doctor G. It was it was very close for me, but uh, I'll go with Garvin and Tully as well. But I I I can't. I can't blame Schiff on that one. You can't you can't knock him for that because the the Morton match was was great. I think the only reason why we didn't go higher was due to not having the announcing. Uh, you know um, what? I'll be fair. You're right. The match is good with commentary. They both probably would have been about the same. So I don't blame you, Schiff. I apologize. Thank you. I apologize. Thank you. That doesn't happen often, so accept it. Um, I, I did. Okay. All right. The Wahoo Award. Uh, the LVP this month. Eh, yeah, I'd have to look at my notes. Column, go ahead. <laughs> the the LVP. I mean, honestly, there's a lot of freaking... The MVP is going to be hard, but the LVP? Uh, I'm going to have to go with Rick Rude. <laughs> no, I'll go... I will go... Um, hmm... Yeah. Let's go, let's go Let's go. Tommy Young. Put a fish in. Ah, damn it. I'll go to Tommy Young, too. That makes sense. Because of the ending of the uh, costing us a four-and-a-half-star banger for the uh, Garvin match. And it, Tom, hey, one thing you know, Tommy Young at least is consistent in how much he pisses us off, at least. Um, uh, Dr. G. You know, it's funny, you guys. Uh, you guys shit on Tommy Young more than me, and I, I agree. I'm not a big fan, but the, the wrestlers at that time love him. Like yeah, you, I don't get it. NWA guys, that 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 was their uh, favorite. 
uh, referee, which again is weird, but maybe they know something better than we don't. But uh, I have to go with Bruiser Brody because Bruiser Brody just looked like he was just there for a paycheck and just didn't care. That's just my opinion. So, all right, very good. And then last but certainly not least, uh, the MVP award. This one is super tough, but I'm gonna have to go with Jim Cornette. Scott, yeah. Jim Cornette in a landslide. Okay. Column? Yeah, same here. All right. And Dr. G? Agree. All right. So there we go. So that closes out our May point, uh, part one. So really good stuff. Um, highlighted with some good matches. And to continue to highlight the Midnight Express baby doll and the James gang or whoever, you know, whoever's under the mask to keep Column's kayfabe. So before we go, um, Column, anything you would like to plug? I'm... Yes, the only thing that is currently not on hiatus for me just now is the um, live stream services that we have. Twitch.tv forward slash place to be nation. Uh, place to be nation, all one word, on YouTube. Place to be nation, PTBN live on Facebook and at PTBN YouTube on Twitter. Column's coming, the professional Twitcher and so you don't have anything to announce about a pod you might be starting to be on for a little bit, or you want to save for that? Um, I'll, I'll save for that because I have not. I, I don't know when that's. I don't know when we're doing okay. that next. I All will right. try and. I will try and. Announcements are afoot by the next. By the time the next one comes around, Got I it. will because I need to see about um, when we're actually going to record that. Got it. Got it. Got it. Shift. Anything you'd like to promote? Uh, yeah, check out um, Pop Goes to the the uh, Couch. We are uh, going, by the time you hear this, we have wrapped up Obi-Wan, um, hitting up Miss Marvel, uh, figuring, we're figuring out what to do with the boys, and um, we'll be doing a season look back at Stranger Things once Volume 2 drops. All right. Thank you, sir. And finally, Dr. G, um, would you like to plug the Saturday special sure. uh, disappointing always ready paper? No, I'm sorry. Go ahead. <laughs> despite what sean says yes we were a little disappointed with the uh the outcome of uh always ready in the nwa heavyweight championship i just think they did a reset there so i think we'll see something happen soon uh but you know you, the nwa other than that i think uh you know is, is heating up i thought the uh pay-per-view always ready wasn't their best but i thought it was a pretty good pay-per-view and it's setting uh some of the storylines up so you can listen to it every saturday morning um there are times we do have to drop it on Sunday based on our schedules, but for the most part, Saturday mornings, um, NWA Saturday special um, with myself and the podfather himself, Scott Criscolo. Um, and you could reach me on Twitter at Dr. G PTB. All right. And you can find me on Twitter at NWA crock and roll. Um, pod wise, uh, guys, this is my primary pod for right now because life is kind of taking it back but i do have a pod blast series called before i was a mark where i go back and watch some older matches and um these are all matches that i've never seen before in my life before i started my wrestling fandom in 1986 so i'm kind of going back and it's basically three matches every episode about 15 to 16 to 20 minutes um where i just talk about those three matches how i felt about them it's a real easy one to do while i'm on the road traveling so um kind of a fun project just to keep me going um but for now, that's really it. Um, I know I'm supposed to be on Pop Goods of Couch Shift. I don't think I've been on there for a while. So my time, based on my time, this one is my primary one for sure for the immediate future. But it's always my favorite. It's always a lot of fun to do it. And uh, next month, guys. So uh, not next month, in two weeks, I should say rather. Um, 
We have a couple sneak peek here. We have another Flair Morton match. This one has commentary, Dr. G. So um, should be pretty good. We got a Midnight Express match. Um, we got a tag team match, which I'm curious how one uh, Colin McDougal will take because Wahoo's in it. But I think the other participants in it are pretty good. But yeah, so good stuff coming up. That time frame will cover uh, May 10th through the first part of May 17th. So we will be back in two weeks for that episode. So for Scott Shiflett, Colin McDougal, and Dr. G, I am Sean Kidd. We will see you in two weeks for May 86, part two. Yeah.